One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. for the bowling green Oh, for the patch of sun Oh, for the pavilion bar Take me to that summer of the mind Haze above the long grass Hum of the lilac bee And then to shade In the moon underwater Who goes there? Who who goes there? You come come now out of the corner there, out of the shadows with oh it's you Robin. Hello. Oh, I thought I thought the ghost was back. Oh no, I like the ghost. Yeah, I do, but I get quite tired of his sort of trickery. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he's sort of a playful ghost, but it's he's not scary in any way. It's just more of a pain. He's a ghost from the very recent past, isn't he? Always on his phone. Yes. You know, most haunted pubs, they'll say, oh, if you're up at night, you might see the uh, the grey lady in the parlour. No, none of that. It's your keys have gone. Your yeah. debit card's missing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone's <laughs> taken selfies on your phone in that mode where you can do it before without unlocking it yeah but there's no one there because it's a ghost in the yes. selfie yeah so it's just look like it's like selfies of the wall yeah 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 he's all right though. he's all right he's all right he keeps himself to himself during the daytime so the night when he's a bit of a pain but uh, speaking of the daytime were you at the um alliteration festival here at uh, in the correct realm uh yes Yo, yo, yes, yo. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? There was the fleet of flautists flirting in flight with their flutes. <laughs> yes. A wonderful bit. The kids from the school had arranged for a gaggle of geese to gobble a gill of grain. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was great. What were some of the things you saw? Oh, a horse house. Yep. A horse house howling um, on his hooves. Yeah. And um, a, ho- a home. A home. Yeah. Yeah. A house and a home, because a house is a home. Is a home, is it? Yeah. And uh, anything else? James Joyce jostling with Janet 
in the gin parlour, which is, is the same sound, but it's a different letter. It's still alliteration yeah. in a poetic sense. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always fun. They do it every four and a half months. They do, don't they? Um, so it sort of changes throughout the years as it, as it rolls on. But it's just good. It's just fun, family fun, and the kids learn about language and sounds and assonance and dissonance. Yeah. And do, you remember when, um, do you remember when I got into a, a Twitter spat with um, the rapper LP? Right. Do you remember this? He was saying he's absolutely all about alliteration uh-huh. in his flow, you know. And I and I replied saying, isn't it assonance if it's with vowels? Ah. And, th- and then someone came back to me and said, no, it's assonance if, if the vowel is in the middle of the word. And LP really slammed me. Oh, you got owned. I got owned by LP. He said, yo, yo, what are you going to do now, professor? <laughs> and what did you do now? I just said, I'm really sorry. Good, good. They deleted all your tweets. Yeah, I thought about that. That was eight years ago. Well, everyone, welcome to The Moon Underwater. I'm John Robbins, the landlord of this hallowed pub, and Robin is the regular, the lovely Robin Allender, here to help us guide our guest through the creation of their fantasy tavern. And um, luckily, the Alliteration Festival uh, has finished now, so they they won't be... uh, bothered too much by that hmm. but I can see them approaching the door on a it's not so much a, 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 a winged beast as a sort of um, I think it might just be a pair of wings mm. beastless wings have brought them from the other realm to the correct realm and into the moon underwater swoops comedian writer performer Adam Kay hello Adam hello how are you Hello. Oh, good, thank you. So pleased to have you here uh, in the Moon Underwater. Do grab a chair of your own design. The Moon Underwater will furnish you with whatever chair you like. What sort of pew do you tend to take in a pub? I think I'm all about the comfort. I've got a very bad back. Oh. And so I do consider my chair, if it's going to be a long stint at the pub, over lockdown, I, I bought a very expensive and fucking hideous office chair. Mm. Yeah, and it's it really annoyingly, it's very good. Mm. I thought it was like sort of this big con. How how much different can it be to all the other chairs? But it turns out much better. So I will, I I, I will make sure that it's you know, it's going to be comfortable before I sit down. I quite like the idea of a pub with incredibly expensive, ergonomic, osteopathic-approved office chairs. Yeah, you'd spend longer in there. Because sometimes, you know, if you're, if, you know, you're one of these... Particularly, there's lots of, like, a lot of churches have been ransacked for their pews over the years. And, like, the sort of the artsy thing of mismatched, wooden, French-painted, whatever. Probably only 40 minutes in one of those. Before you're gonna you're gonna suffer. There is something slightly discombobulating about one of those quite trendy pubs where every single chair is different. Mm. But I've actually uh, I don't know if you can see me behind the bar here, but uh, I've got one of those. If I just show you one of those kneeling chairs. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it is superb. It's- I can sit for hours and I stand up and with no aches in my hip or back. Oh, excellent. Oh. Maybe I need to invest. I don't want to cheat on this on my office chair, but it does look I mean, it looks less disgusting than my one. <laughs> <laughs> when you had a bad back that were you did I mean, how does it work as a former 
junior doctor? Do you self-diagnose issues like that? So, yeah. So the, what's traditional is um, doctors are quite bad patients in mm, general right. because it's embarrassing. It's <laughs> like if you're a car mechanic taking your car to a different mechanic, Yeah. why didn't you just sort it out yourself? Slightly worried that they'll make fun of you. And say, you know, that's not a brain gym, your hat's too tight or something. <laughs> and so what I do is I ignore everything. Right. And so so the first time I realised I had a bad back was in Las Vegas. And we were, for, we were there for a friend's birthday party. And we were staying at the Trump International Hotel. But crucially, before while he was just a sort of reality pervert, before he became <laughs> a sort of despot. Because now it's like, yeah, you know, I was just staying at the Hitler Hilton, and but then he was just, it was just a very strange man with a good deal on, you know, a suite with a strip view, and walking down the corridor, and my leg totally stopped working, and I collapsed to the ground, and I remembered back to medical school days that that isn't meant to happen, and so. I sent James, who is then my uh, then my boyfriend. Uh, he's and he's still he's I mean, he's still he still hangs out with me. He's now my husband, and uh, sent him to reception to get a wheelchair. And I somehow, using my best trust me I'm a doctor voice, convinced him that this was probably fine and it could wait ten days until we were back on the other side of the Gatwick Express. So, for, for example, that <laughs> that is that is how I would uh-huh. deal with a bad back. I go on a golf trip every year with 20 other guys, which is much nicer than it sounds. And the vast majority of them are doctors from all different disciplines. So GPs, surgeons, lung experts, what you know, pretty much everything. And chatting to them, one of the great bonuses of what is obviously a very, very stressful job is if they do have something they want to check out, they can pretty much pull a string and get in a scan or an X-ray within a couple of days because they all know people in various departments of the hospitals they work in. I worry that I would go a bit crazy and basically have a daily body scan. Yeah. You end up sort of managing your own healthcare quite a lot. So what happens is, like, for example, I'll think I've got a chest infection. It's not getting better. I've got all these temperatures. So rather than seeing an actual proper doctor, I'll text someone who can get me in for a chest x-ray. And then I'll text someone else a photo I've done on my phone of the screen of that chest x-ray. And they'll say, oh, that's probably fine. <laughs> I don't think I'm getting world-class care compared to just going to my GP like everyone else. Yeah. So you've now, I'm pretty sure if I've done the maths right, Including your training, you've now been a performer for pretty much as long as you were involved in the medical profession. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. You've been a sort of medically adjacent performer for pretty much as long as you were practising. So is it quite strange that you're now being sort of, you know, most of your conversations are about medicine when you've actually been been a comedian for that long. Yeah. No, it's like if, if everyone was like constantly asking you about your primary school. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I've done, I've done stuff since. But yeah. no, it's, I mean, when I first left medicine and started doing comedy, it isn't fun when you start doing comedy. It's a, it's a driving job, isn't it? It's a driving job with very short bursts of performing to disinterested people 200 miles away from where you live and then you have to drive back from 
Durham that night because the the fee definitely doesn't cover a hotel, barely covers the petrol. So at that point, I just left medicine. It had been quite a traumatic exit. And I was very keen to be like just a, a proper normal comedian, didn't rely on talking about medicine and stuff. And when I was uh, getting into like TV writing, they would say, oh, you used to be a doctor. Would you be interested in maybe doing something, working up an idea about my... No, no, I'm a... I'm a... So I, I did, you know, five years or something of that. When I eventually lent into the fact that I used to be a doctor, I'd say my, uh, my success increased about 300 times. And so I think I need to keep talking about it. Because turns out no one's interested in me if I'm just a, a writer slash comedian. <laughs> I'm interested to know how humour functions when you were a doctor. Because obviously This Is Going To Hurt is a very, very funny book. As well as being shocking and you know quite horrifying Disgusting. in places. Yeah. <laughs> but I wonder how humour functioned when you were a doctor. It's interesting. At medical school, I wasn't taught at any point any kind of coping mechanism. So... We're taught communication skills, which is like the cornerstone of, of being a doctor. Breaking bad news, all of that. There was never any discussion that, you know, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. That, you know, when you break bad news to someone, you know, it, it's never equal what comes about. But there's always an opposite and it, and it damages you. And we weren't taught about talking to people or taking time out or any of the healthy, responsible, normal things. Anything a doctor would tell their patient to do. The only things that medical school teaches you to help is they put you in different tribes, like, you know, like Mean Girls. And, you know, I was sort of in the sort of music one and you can or you can be in the rugby tribe or the swimming or lacrosse or whatever it is. So you've got a, a group of people who can like drink together and um, not talk about their feelings. <laughs> and the other thing they do is they subsidise us putting on these medical school reviews so if you've you know, been up to the Edinburgh Festival, you will know that a certain proportion of shows are these like medical school university reviews. And they're you know, roundly the very worst things on <laughs> an, in a comedy festival. If you're looking for like adjectives to ensure you're going to have a bad show, I think like university and medical, you know, they, if, if, they, if they did improvised as well student you know that's that's gonna that's no stars already an improvised medical student review yeah but i think it's so funny with those shows because comedians are coming with so much context to their work you know they've been doing it in front of audiences and in front of other comedians for you know years and years and years even if it's your first year doing an hour show you'll have been doing circuit gigs for three or four years maybe and then the students come up just literally from doing it to their mates mm. and maybe doing it to their mates two or three times. And then they do 30 shows in Edinburgh. And it's such a baptism of fire. And I kind of really, really admire the chutzpah because to them, no other world exists, really. Yeah, they've got no denominator. No. Mm. <laughs> it's But it's it's the... It's like... I don't know. It's like saying, how hard can it be to fly a helicopter yeah. or something? It's like yeah, yeah. just being, yeah, I can do it. So I was um, 
like director, I guess, of of, uh, of that. At, uh, in fact, that almost got me um, almost got me expelled from medical school. So, the idea of these shows, traditionally, for whatever reason, the shows were named as a as like a punny title on the popular film of the year. So it would be like, I don't know, Her Majesty's Secret Cervix or the importance of seeing hernias or something. So, you know, that, <laughs> sort, you know, that level of... I mean, that one's all right. Um, <laughs> but, um, from Russia with glove. I mean, just <laughs> ideally, changing... But anyway, so... And I, I was in charge of this uh, shit show. And I realised there was a really good pun that would combine the smash hit film of the year with the biggest medical story for a hundred years and so the posters went up for my show which was called the talented dr shipman and in retrospect there was too much dark not enough humor (laughs) Mm, mm. and um i was immediately uh summoned to the dean of the medical school who told me that i was to be suspended and uh and then when he sort of like explained what you know what I'd done, I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it was really really bad. So yeah, that's the level of comedy I was operating at back then. I do think in in This Is Going to Hurt you do have one of the best puns ever, which is about the guy who injures his his uh, his penis by sticking it in a fan. Oh, Nobbin Fan Percy. Yeah, yeah, yeah Nobbin yeah. Fan Percy. Well, that works, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's good, yeah. But I suppose you need to know the story. You can't just call like, your show Nobbin Fan Percy <laughs> with no context. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Well, Adam, we'll maybe talk about uh, pubs and doctors later on, uh, but let's get you started with your dream pub and we will sort of build a picture of it as we go. So what two draft options would you like? This is this is slightly difficult because beer is disgusting. <laughs> Fair enough. As everyone agrees. Life is a rich tapestry. I've got some... I think it's just a wiring issue because I've been vegetarian since I was four or five because I just hate the taste of meat. And I've never, never, never liked it since, you know, obviously since I was very, very young. And other stuff, you know, I like the taste of. So meat, fish, anything like that, no. And similarly with, and particularly with any form of ale, and also whiskey, just does it just sort of, it's like I'm on some sort of punishment. I wish I found it disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind shandy. Mm-hmm. And I think we should normalise drinking shandy. Oh, yes. Very much so. Off on a summer's day, don't like cider either. You know, we're out at a beer garden. Have we got a beer garden here? You've got absolutely everything you want. You can have the biggest beer garden in the world. Oh, Amazing love a beer garden and I and in that sort of emergency when I need a, a cool refreshing drink I will have a, a lager shandy and every time there's a slight pitying smile from the behind the bar or if you know a friend's getting the round in and I say and can I have a, a lager shandy? Um, I'm aware that when they're ordering it, they'll they'll go and a, and a shandy, which is for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, <laughs> so they can't possibly think that the person ordering might be drinking a shandy. But I like, and I know very little about beer other than um, I like there's a, there's a Mexican one, Modelo, mm. which is almost drinkable, neat. But is actively nice in a in a shandy situation. I, is it available on draft? Yes, well, I think I believe so. I, okay. I think a Modelo shandy is a lovely first draft option. Mm. But important to recognise the non beer, non cider draft items you sometimes get. You can get very bad wine on draft. You can. Well, at university, they used to do Smirnoff Ice on draft. Do you remember that? Whoa. We're of a similar vintage. Oh, yeah. With the in the mixer tap, the same mixer that yeah. sort of, or was it was it its own draft? It's an actual Smirnoff branded, yeah. you know. Jeez. And you can get um, in Edinburgh last year. They had porn star martinis and espresso martinis on draft, um, which I think was probably invented solely because in the late night bars in Edinburgh, the queues were so big because of the espresso martini craze that there must have been feedback from bar staff saying, please invent us draft espresso martini because this is getting ridiculous. If they're amending the Geneva Convention anytime soon, they need to include something about ordering cocktails when there's a queue. Because mm. yes. that just the same level as not wearing your headphones when you're on the bus and you're watching a movie. It was like, horrible. It's a hate crime. I think I was once in a... Rob, we went to a pub... It was a Green King pub, and um, for some reason, maybe we'd just eaten or we'd I'd already had a lot of pints, but I ordered a cocktail, obviously like pre-made, but they come in these pouches, like wine bags. Well, like a Capri Sun. Yes, but, <laughs> but kind of like a big industrial scale one. <laughs> and there was something so unpleasant about seeing the 
it was like would have been like a sort of peach puree mm. squeezed out of this enormous bag into a champagne glass and then topped up with prosecco. And you, I kind of felt like, oh, just, no, I'll just have something else. Actually, <laughs> I don't remember it, but it sounds like something from one of Adam's books. <laughs> <laughs> Green King, they're the people who refuse to sell normal mixers. No, oh, no, that's, that's Sam, uh, Sam. Oh, that's Smith. Sam Smith. That's yeah. Sam Smith. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. I apologise to Green King, and fuck Sam Smith because <laughs> that is the last thing you want. Oh no, we don't do coke. We do something that's quite similar though, made from pre-chewed carob beans or something. No. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, it's all the own brand stuff with the uh, Sam Smiths. Ugh. What uh, What would be your second draft choice? I've also I've I've gone non-traditional but i've gone for one that i know is or certainly was available on draft or there's a memory problem and i've had a cerebral event so there was a pub that we went to i i worked in chelsea at one point and went to medical school there as well and there was a pub on camera place just off the fulham road called the sporting page and it was a beautiful pub and a love, you know, lovely road on a corner spot. And they had lots of, you know, amazing sort of sporting based art up. But for a brief period of time, they were a tied house of Bollinger. <laughs> and, oh, wow. you know, behind the bar, it was just champagne, champagne, champagne. And they had it all from the tiny little, you know, sort of I'm off to a hen night little individual ones with a straw all the way up to the you know nebuchadnezzar whatever they are massive ones and they had it if you just wanted a glass they had it on tap oh and um you know i was very much at the ordering one one glass and sort of sipping it until it was disgustingly tepid level rather than going full uh, methuselah straight away (laughs) but so i'm going for draft bollinger because why not? It's my pub. Absolutely. There's no reason why you shouldn't have sparkling wine on draft, I guess. No, I mean, you can have Smyrnoff Ice, which is basically the same. A keg of Bollinger. Yeah. Medical students, I mean, I remember from my time at university, were the biggest boozers. Mm. Was that the case or no? That's one of your coping mechanisms, yeah, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it's not the gold standard coping mechanism, no. but it but it works. Yeah. You know, it's an anaesthetic agent. I was going to ask about sort of what part the pub played for practising doctors and nurses. In my head, I imagine, you know, everyone after a shift having loads of drinks. Then I thought, well, no, because everyone's knackered and desperate to get home and has already been there for three hours longer than they should have been anyway. So was it? what was it like? Alcohol featured heavily to the extent that... So I was mostly... I was two sort of different medical schools, two campuses, Charing Cross Hospital on the Fulham Palace Road and uh, St Mary's Hospital in Paddington. And the student bar at Charing Cross Hospital was in a separate building to the sort of the, the, the clinical side of things. The one at St Mary's, which is now, which is called Gladys's, now, now closed, uh, sadly defunct, was literally in the basement of the hospital. And it was so central to, you know, to what the gig was that you, you know, you drank there. And um, you continued to drink afterwards um again on the fulham road i think it's still around a 24-hour restaurant called van catra and um i think it might have another couple of branches as well now but 
somehow, I don't know, presumably money changed hands, they had a 24-hour license and were constantly open apart from, I think they were even open at Christmas. It was just sort of the way that, yeah, it was just always open, even in the days when the pubs had to close for a bit during the day for some reason. Van Catra was always open, which meant that after a night shift, me and my pals who'd done the shift could wander down to Van Catra, order their cheapest, you know, omelette and have a couple of glasses of wine. And then you're sat, you know, you're sat in the window and then all of your patients from that, that shift are walking, walking past and, <laughs> and you're wearing your lanyard and you want to say, no, this is te- technically I'm on a different time zone. Yeah. This is actually my 8 p.m., not 8 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> One of the two founders of AA was a doctor, Dr. Bob, and his last drink was beer in the car park of the hospital he worked at. He was a proctologist before he performed an operation because his shakes were so bad that he had to have a beer in order to get through that operation. Bloody hell, yeah. I mean, good on him for inventing AA so he could go to AA, basically. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There is a huge problem of substance abuse in medicine, including alcohol. And such is the degree of stigma in the profession that people fail to get help. I think the mental health of whatever stripe in medicine is about you know, 10 or 20 years behind the rest of society, whether it's talking about the fallout from an awful shift or an eating disorder or an addiction. You feel that... You can't talk about it because otherwise you'll somehow be, you know, struck off, ostracised. They'll immediately tell your consultant, the you know, secretary of state. It's, and that's very, very un, unhelpful. But, um, yeah, it's a big problem. It is. It is an enormous problem. So hopefully a bit of community found in the pub and not too much boozing. But it's. I guess it's inevitable if that's your release valve if that's your if you're not given other coping mechanisms and there's a bar underneath your hospital not just any port in a storm there's only one port yeah yeah and it's port (laughs) (laughs) the bar under the hospital i was just it just reminded me of when my dad was in hospital a few years ago and he'd had an operation and it's very common to hallucinate after you've had an operation and you have all these drugs going into you and everything and he said the day after that he like you know, they, the, the nurses couldn't find anywhere for his bed to go. And so they'd been wheeling him around. And he'd ended up basically, he said he ended up being in a party in a pub, <laughs> like within the hospital. Well, if he was at St. Mary's in Paddington, it could <laughs> yeah. have, he could have been unfairly accused of hallucination. That's yeah. actually not the maddest thing. Yeah. Just remembered in my first year as a doctor, the doctor's mess had a smoking room within it. So there was a smoking room within an actual hospital. What sort of pub would you want to create? We're creating your dream pub here. So what what would it look like? I'm guessing it would be a long way from a medical school. It, It would be. So I fucked off out of London a few years ago. And I'm very much enjoying the country pub scenario. Mm hmm. And I mean, I love the pub in my in my little um, village, and it 
it recently changed hands. It was it went up for sale, and uh, I thought about buying it. <laughs> wow! And then uh, I had a meeting with my financial advisor, and he told me not to buy a pub because then what would happen <laughs> is I would just work in a pub and I wouldn't do any of the stuff that allowed him to give me financial advice. Um, but it was very, very appealing as an idea. But luckily, a couple of brilliant um, sisters who just retired from, uh, actual sisters rather than uh, medical sisters, um, retired from their day jobs, wanted wanted to do something else, bought the bought the pub, and they and they just run a lovely, lovely outfit to the extent that. So when I initially moved to this um, to this place. They weren't very good at doing wine in the pub, which is one of my go-to things. And uh, the only wine they had were those plastic squeeze, you know, the plastic bottles with a bit of give individual portions of wine in the the fridge. And, you know, when the new landladies took over, they um, they bought, you know, they put in some actual, actual size bottles made of actual glass. And... I, I tried. I think I tried all two or three of the of the the whites they had, and I was sort of they spotted that I I wasn't. And then I, I next went for like a, a rum, and they said, "Do you not like the wine? What do you what would you normally drink?" So I named a couple of like great varieties. Not that I'm any great wine expert, but I'm like oh, I do like Sancerre, and I sometimes drink Viognier. Next time I came in, they had a bottle of Sancerre and a bottle of Viognier. So. I mean, just what a great, great, great little place. You went in next time. I really like Rolex watches. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, they're treading on your toes a bit. They're creating a dream pub. But, you know, and they, you know, I'm now a a sort of super regular because, you know, they got, they got my wine in. Oh, that is nice. Yeah. To be able to influence the selection at your local is massive. I went to the pub. Had a drink with my friend. It was really nice. The pub was called The Moon Underwater. That's a huge area of the mind to explore. <laughs> um, <laughs> they will feature in your next choice. What are your bottles and or cans? So, um... Bottles. So I d- I've been into wine from an early age in that at my school, they taught us wine tasting from the age of 15. What? As a, as, yeah. So. Why? Uh, how? <laughs> as a, like an extra, like an add-on on a an Friday. An extra add-on on a Friday. On a Friday, you know, after you know, five o'clock. And it wasn't just wine. Here's the... Strangest thing, on the last Friday of the month, it would be fortified wines and spirits. What? Did you have to spit spit? No. Whoa. This was in no in no context was what that. What the hell kind of school did you go to? France. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was uh Dulwich College, like a minor public school in South London, where I mean, I guess teachers might have had a vested interest in getting pupils drunk. God. Wow, didn't Jude Law went there, didn't he? Is that right? My thing. He went to Alain's, which oh, was Alain's, around the yeah, around yeah. the corner. Um, yeah. 
who did we have? We had the slightly less uh, glamorous Nigel Farage. <laughs> uh, we had Raymond Chandler, P.G. Woodhouse. Oh, yeah. Ernest Shackleton. No, none of them were in my year. Um, <laughs> but um, also in my year, I did have, uh, this is only of interest uh, to John and none of none of the listening public, uh, had Jimmy McGee. Oh, wow. Um, I, I could, Rob, can you imagine if they'd had a wine tasting class at Castle School? <laughs> I think some of the teachers were going for that, but yeah. <laughs> so tell us, you're you're you've got to be picking a wine as one of your bottles. I am picking a wine. It slightly fucked me over doing wine tasting lessons because mm. it meant by the time I joined university, I'd already drunk eighty pound wines. Yeah, and yeah. now we're we're into Black Tower territory, and it's a difficult cul-de-sac to reverse down that one, isn't it? <laughs> it's a one-way. It's a diode that you know the drinking wine. So. I remember learning that Sancerre is not many people make it. It's quite hard to make it good. So, you know, Jacob's Creek or whoever, they're unlikely to, you know, to do 20,000 acres of it. So I just drink the same Sancerre all the time. And I know its name. And it's a 2019 Sancerre called Domaine Roblin, R-O-B-L-I-N. Oh, I've had that very Sancerre. And you can sometimes see it on wine lists in restaurants and I buy it by the by the box load and it's just lovely. Mm. I think, I mean, both me and Rob are Sancerre apologists. I think what's really good about Sancerre is there's no cheap Sancerre. There's no sort of like 4 but it's... It's an achievable price that usually starts at about sort of 14 quid a bottle. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly. That's my sweet spot for buying. I, I think this one, it comes out at like 17 quid. So you can't really get bad Sancerre. And I think it's a very safe bet if you're going to a party or you, you know, want to buy someone a nice bottle of wine. It, it would be almost impossible. If you like white wine, you will like a, a Sancerre. Yeah, I agree. So in my head, the only white wines are really Sancerre, Viognier, Picpoul, Gavi. You know, those are chances. Because like, I'm sure there are some amazing Chardonnays. Of course there are. But also you might get some total dog shit. And it's not worth the... I don't know enough about wine to make sure I'm not getting the dog shit one. So just, you know, that's that's my method of ordering wine. So I know that wine's great. And I will, I will drink it. We'll, we'll, we'll smash through it. It'll be fine. Robin, your thoughts on the Sancerre briefly before we get to the next choice. Well, it is, I mean, I only found this out from doing the Moon Underwater. It is the same as Sauvignon Blanc, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Oh, for fuck. It's Sauvignon Blanc in drag. <laughs> I think it's a, oh, one no. of, it's like a Sauvignon Blanc grape, but it is a, one of those, what's the D-O-P? The sort of, oh, yes. The, you know, yeah. So like you can't call something a, a Tunnock's tea cake unless it's come from the town of Tunnock. Yeah. Yeah, so so champagne made in the adjacent state to te- Sunset, yeah. Mm. Made in champagne or pa- like parmesan and it's like sort of pork pies from wherever the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love Sunset. Yeah, it's great. Excellent. Cheers. Mm. Cheers. Is that what you're <laughs> drinking now? It's not what I'm drinking now. Oh. I'm drinking I'm drinking some fizzy wine. Oh, lovely. What is your second choice? My second choice is caffeine-free Diet Coke. Oh, the gold one. Yeah. The Mm. rarest of all the Coke cans. Yeah, and it's never, ever in the pub. Yeah, Mm. that's so true. I've given up caffeine. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, how's that going? It's fine. It's fine as long as I've got access to caffeine-free Diet Coke. So I basically went to the doctor at some point and it turned out that 100% of the liquid that I consumed was either Diet Coke or white wine. Like there were no mills of water in there. <laughs> yeah. And the doctor basically said you need to cut out either alcohol or caffeine and try and get some other liquids in you. So I couldn't give up alcohol. That didn't make any sense. And so I gave up caffeine. And so that's been about, you know, probably four or five years of no caffeine oh, wow. at all. Oh, wow. And I do like the taste of, um, of Diet Coke. And it's not that different, the caffeine-free. And I like a... Um, I like a rum and Diet Coke, and so I can have it at home, but I don't think I've ever been able to order a caffeine-free rum and Diet Coke out of the house. Does the caffeine-free one have have the... What sugar is in it, is what I'm trying to say. There's no sugar. It just... I think it's probably different chemicals. It gives you a different type of brain tumour to the normal one, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, you know, it's different, just different chemicals. Yeah. Well, uh, so far in Adam Kay's Dream Pub, we have uh, Modelo Lager Shandy, Bollinger on draft, which is a very nice little curveball there, uh, Domaine Roblin Sancerre, and caffeine-free Diet Coke. Um, but we now take a break to head over to the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. OK, everybody, pens out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger. That wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Thanks, John, and welcome to the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. It's sink or swim in the pub quiz this week as I ask you which of these fruits sink or swim, if fruit can be said to swim. So here we go. Five fruits, and you simply have to tell me whether they're floaters or sinkers. And thanks again to Alex McNutt from the Tiger Tavern for this brilliant suggestion, one of his many pub quiz suggestions. <laughs> Fine, I'll get my notes out. <laughs> I'll promise you I'm not Googling, but I don't think this is something that Google would, would help with in any case. You do have a barrel of water behind you and a selection of fruits. Yes. Yeah, you of do. Course. I mean, I was going to do a medical quiz, but I thought that wouldn't really be that much fun. But yeah, so I'm going to read out five fruits, and you have to tell me whether they float or sink. And we'll do the answers in part two. So, one, lemons, two, limes, three, pears, four, bananas, and five, grapes. Shall I go through them again? Mm-hmm. Lemons, limes, pears, bananas, and grapes. Very good pub quiz there, Rob. I'm imagining all the fruits in my mind. <laughs> yeah. I'm bit frustrated that you didn't do apples because that was my banker because obviously we've all we've all done apple bobbing in yeah. halloween's past yep 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 but we will find out which of those fruits sink and which of them swim in part two just a reminder that if you want to hear adam k's dream pub companion and also gain access to behind the cellar door then do support us on patreon which you can get to via the moon under pod website moonunderpod.com uh, but we will see you back for the rest of Adam Kay's Dream Pub.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.